Welcome to episode two of Matire Gemi, a bi-weekly podcast where we help you learn about your Ayekoyo culture, history, and heritage in English and in a fun, light-hearted way. I'm Jeriwa Adiho, your anchor, and I'm here with Wayakiwa Yeshaga, your cultural enthusiast who continues to immerse himself in learning the ways of our ancestors. So in today's episode, we'll have you listen to a conversation that Wayaki and I had yesterday. And let me tell you, this conversation blew my mind. And my assumptions about the simplicity of our culture were really challenged. And then they were replaced with an awareness of the richness, the depth, and the intentionality in the ways of our Ayikoyo ancestors. So today, we'll take you through a journey of three topics. The first is the value of children in the Agikoyo culture, and we'll draw some parallels to old Europe and current-day U.S. Second, we'll talk about gemis, and my goodness, when you hear this discussion, if you're like me, you will never say and hear gemis the same again. And third, we'll talk about naming conventions. Basically, how did we name our children? We'll go into a little bit more depth about that. So today, I welcome you to indulge in this conversation and let the small details change you. So guys, grab your pen and paper and get ready. But before we do that, here are a couple of our listeners. Baria wagura na itora nigura nyumba ya kiama. Torele dai. Nyumba ya mobidai. Oyo ne kaliyoki wake mako. Oherega wito ne mugashiko. De wa baria karima. Haremari kama wadani de maina trojareto ni mwangi. Korea nyumete ne kiabu a lemuru itora inere ya deya. Thank you, Wairimo in Kenya and Karaoke in the US for sending your intros in. And guys, if you're listening, send us yours too. Uh, and we'll give you the email address at the end of the podcast. So, Wayaki, are we ready to jump in? Yes, we are. All right, let's do it, guys. Let's do it. Children are considered wealth. And children have always been considered wealth by the Agekoyo because back then, um, the Agekoyo have always been uh, agricultural in nature. So if you had many children, if you had, uh, say, many wives and very many children, they could till the land faster than any other family. Mm -hmm. They could, um, in terms of, because the Kikuyus, especially if you had boys, the boys would go to war with other tribes, especially with the Maasai, and they would go on expeditions to raid the Maasai and bring back livestock, Yeah. right? And so if you had a family of 20 strong young men, you were more, you would acquire more wealth. Mm -hmm. So that's, so having many children was considered great wealth because yes, you could, you could till the land faster, you could harvest faster, you could uh, acquire wealth by going out to hunt or to in expeditions to get cattle. 
So you are considered wealthy. So if a man had maybe just one son and and uh, and then another man had five sons, even if they had a family feud or dispute, the the guys with the guy with one son would be clobbered for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. And it also reminds me of what we we learned, you know, in in school, right, which is really the Maslow's hierarchy. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the bigger your family, the more likely you are to have the basic human needs, food, safety, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Protection, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. I love that. So the the bigger your family, the wealthier you are. The more children you have, the wealthier you are. Okay, keep going. So so to tie that back now from just your, your nuclear family or your extended family. We're going to go to the entire Kikuyu population. Mm. The Agikoyo population. So if you think about it today, uh the Agikoyo in Kenya are the most populous tri- popular tribe. Yes. Right? Even though I from looking at demographics our population has not been growing as fast as it has in the past, right? Because I think people are having fewer children, difficult economic circumstances. So the thing with that is if you if you can contrast that with the US diversity and fi- and I'm sure you've had in the news or even our vi- our our listeners have had in the news that by 2050 the black and brown population will be the majority right in the US mm-hmm. if i may ask you a question jerry what do you think is the reason uh lots of ch- children yeah so 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 the minorities in this country are uh having more children right than the majority mm-hmm. so what that means is if you have a county uh uh a state you know in 10 20 30 40 years the leadership of that state is going to look very different correct and that is the same with even in the agekoyo community the agekoyo knew that children would mean more power or more resources mm. okay i get it so so it's very critical that um if you want to maintain power as a family or as a society as a as a as a tribe you know you can't maintain a uh power uh with diminishing uh birth statistics mm-hmm. and so that's just like at the highest level of the 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 analysis really yeah but at the basic level you know resources if you have more children it was more resources it was more wealth yeah and we'll get into the the wealth or what the agikoyo considered wealth okay okay i love that so basically i picked out five things right so children is equals to wealth helps you maintain power more uh children is equals to more food you know uh more safety and certainly success in war okay i got it <laughs> let me let me say one more thing <laughs> say one more thing <laughs> <laughs> and You know, uh if you if you and I've had this conversation with a few people here and there but if you have a family that doesn't have children, especially for boys, because mm. boys are the ones that usually father their ancestral lineage because most women will be married into another family. Right. Right? So if you or and then in today's society and will come into naming because of families not having enough children, they have one or two children. It's very difficult today for a woman 
to name her father and mother yeah. unless she has four children Correct. or more right which is not happening right so if you if you have a boy that doesn't have a family doesn't uh, a man that doesn't end up having a family their ancestral lineage ends mm-hmm. and i think it's also why perhaps like right now people care so much about the iri dadi Mm-hmm. right the first son mm-hmm. because if for example you have two daughters right mm-hmm. uh there's no guarantee that you're going to be your your family lineage will continue mm-hmm. right versus if you have an irida and they have a kid there's almost a guarantee that at some level your family lineage will continue absolutely and and so and we'll talk about this in another podcast there are many reasons that the family lineage may not continue which we can get into in another podcast which okay. which is more related to past debts that the family owes that hasn't paid that are being charged. Oh wow, okay. So, but we'll get into that later. Okay. Okay, so now let's go back to the whole idea of bath. So let's start with a woman is pregnant, she's 9 mm-hmm. months and she's having a baby. Talk talk to us about how this whole process happened. So, uh, you know, I won't go into the details of giving bath and The reason is I'm not a qualified midwife. <laughs> so, <laughs> no kidding. But you know from historical records or historical stories that I've read and heard is usually the the woman who was pregnant would be in her house in her nyoba mm-hmm. and would be with a qualified midwife. And this midwife was a woman who was uh qualified uh had had experience in giving birth and she had uh, cleansed herself spiritually to be able to deliver this child. Okay. Uh because the midwife would be the first person to come in contact with a child, right? And so for anyone who is interested into the details of uh childbirth, the the book The Southern Kikuyu uh since uh since 1903 uh or prior to 1903 by LSB Leakey goes into detail of exactly what happened during childbirth. Okay. And uh I'll spare you the details obviously. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, so it was the men were never the men were never in the the um in the woman's house when she was giving birth. It was considered uh a mogiro, which mm. we talked about the last time. It mm. wasn't something that was encouraged for the men to be there at the birthplace. So when the child was was born uh the women who were waiting in like patiently or impatiently outside the woman's house would go in mm-hmm. once the child had been born once they were given the signal that the child has been born and depending on the sex of the child they would uh yololate and so yololate is the word for gemi oh okay yes it's uh that's the english translation for word gemi <laughs> you give us a gemi no, but some people uh, might not be able to make the connection so right so i think it's important no, that we hear what a gemi sounds if, like if you want to hear how a gemi sounds like <laughs> please listen to our pilot episode <laughs> Important for people to hear you <laughs> no, express a gemi in context. So why I'll, don't you give us a gemi? I'll put a link on in the description. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to give these people a gemi because I want to hear one. Please do it. Do it. <laughs> It's where we go. Right? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> okay, you didn't think that was a good one. So can you give the people a gemi? Well, um we'll uh <laughs> <laughs> give us a gemi. <laughs> 
Okay, it's how you go. I'm cutting that part out. <laughs> Your skills have improved from the past episode. Wow. Excellent. Okay. So anyway, so <laughs> so if the girl, if the child born was a girl, uh, there would be the women would say four gemmies. Okay. And the if it was a boy, they would say five. Okay. And so each gemmy had a meaning. Mm. And I'm going to list them and then we're going to go into each Why would they say four for a girl and five for a boy? Because the fifth gemmy was only exclusively said for boys. Ah. Okay, I, so then let's and go I'll through explain, the okay. I'll explain the the reason why. Okay. All right then, let's go through the gemmies. Now I'm really curious. Okay, so the first gemmy uh, what I'll do is let me list them all and then we'll go through each one. Actually, even before we, we do that, can we really talk about the purpose, the deeper purpose of a gemi? Uh, that's a really, really good question. So a gemi, when a gemi is said, and gemis are said in all many kikuyu ceremonies, especially involving uh, children, and even not children, even in marriages, even mm-hmm. in gurarios and rurashios, they say, I'm sure you'll hear... Uh, or so that means say the game is for the the girl child and for the boy child. Mm-hmm. So gemis are said in all ceremonies, but gemis have a purpose. And purpose is if I can translate that loosely because I'm translating from Kikuyu, is no gorio. So they say each gemi has a no-gorio. Mm. And it's not really purpose. It's what that means in Kikuyu. It means giving your hopes a life. Oh, that's A life powerful. of its own. Oh, that's really powerful. That's, that's what it means. Mm-hmm. So, and it's really, you know, if, if you could just summarize that, it's each gemi was a blessing. Yes. For this child that is being born. And it's intention setting, based on what you said. Absolutely. Putting hope into it, like really setting an intention for that child and that child's life. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't put it better than that. That's so powerful. Exactly. Okay, okay. Keep going. Yeah, so uh so the the five gemis, because all five all the gemis are the same except the fifth one. So the first gemi is the gemi of Udamaki. Mm-hmm. So, what is Odamaki? So, Odamaki in literal meaning means uh, kingdom or king. So, Mudamaki means king. But, you know, that's kind of translated at a high level. So, the deeper meaning is more leadership, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So, we know not everybody is going to be a king or a Mudamaki or a leader, right? But it meant that for this child, you may be a, so a master of your life, so mm. to speak. Like you may be a man or woman of character. You may be the leader of your household if you're a man. If You may be the leader of your household if you're a woman. You may be a master of your life. You may be of high character. Yeah. That's what the, that gave me, the first gave me, which is Odamaki, was that was the purpose or the manifestation that you wanted the child 
to be blessed with by God. That is so powerful. So as a parent, as a community of everybody who's saying that, Gemi, you're really putting the intention and the blessing on that child that you may be a master of your life. May your skills, your talents, you know, blossom so that you are a master of your life. Oh my goodness, that is like insane powerful. Absolutely. And 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 you have to imagine that this happened right when the child was born. That even before maybe they, they, the, the child cried, mm-hmm. the women were saying gemis. And, yeah. and, you know, the gemis could be, you know, in modern day when a child is born, they make, they make it cry so it can start breathing, mm-hmm. right? So the, I'm sure the gemis would scare the, the, the <laughs> hell out of the baby. <laughs> the, the living daylight out of that baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, that was the, the intention of the first gemi that was done either for the boy or for the girl ah that is so powerful and it's just done it's moved something in my soul okay so then what was that second gemi so the second gemi is uh the gemi uh of oradi so oradi comes from the word kurada you know literally kurada means to shoot but in kikuyu it it also means to prophesy so um basically you the purpose of that second gemi was to if the child was had the gift of prophecy to be a prophet to be able to see the future to be able to and you know it could even be deeper than that in terms of you know to develop your intuition so to speak to be able to see things before they happen yeah so that was the the and you know in kikuyu we say Gemia kere eoya oya oradi iraro goreria muana like the the purpose of that gemi that's how you actually say it in the queen uh to be a prophet or to be able to foresee yeah and to be in tune with their intuition absolutely you know and if i can take us to the last two podcasts as well which is even if you think about the adara right mm-hmm. and the fact that in recent generations you know we have suppressed or you know like what we call before like really put negative connotation on those spiritual powers mm-hmm. it's amazing to think that in our culture in our history we actually celebrated that through the second gemi where we are saying if you have the powers of prophecy mm-hmm. may those manifest in your life so we really recognized that power and we celebrated it Absolutely. what a beautiful beautiful way to honor you know that spiritual strength that is within our people beautiful so then what was the third gemi so the third gemi is uh, ogo so ogo is if i could translate that into english it means you know loosely to have some sort of wisdom or talent right but you know i know a lot of listeners who will hear ogo or they hear modo mogo mm-hmm. and they'll think that it means to be a witch doctor or witch right and that's wrong that's wrong uh and that and i think we touched on it the last podcast it's really was really propaganda that was pushed on to really beat down our own spiritual uh powers or our own spiritual gifts that we had mm-hmm. and so ogo is not only having um to be a diviner or a seer or a mystic ogo means oge it comes from the word oge ah. 
which is modomoge somebody who is wise wise and not discerning. just not just clever yes, just wise. wise right yes and so if there are many kikuyu names that have um that describe ogo so for example moturi we have actually a friend whose last name is moturi uh shout out to ruth <laughs> if she's listening so moturi is someone who had the gift of fashioning iron mm. right that was an ogo interesting so yes and then even a medicine man of herbs a herbal medicine man that was there oge okay now it all comes together that was their gift so yes. somebody who who uh knew how to play the geshade which is a traditional uh musical instrument that was their oge that was their gift so you can't just put ogo in terms of uh you know the the mysterious in terms of this person who sees the future or or yeah. this or that you can't you can't do that it, it's your your talent or your gift your unique talent and gift that was put in you by god absolutely right it's that mm-hmm. innate innate skill absolutely. that you come into this life with that's beautiful so that's the third one we were really uh uh the third ululation or the third gemi mm-hmm. was all about instilling and and making helping that wisdom that oye mm-hmm. within your child gl- uh, grow and blossom absolutely nice yeah, so that was the fourth one you put it together really well so the fourth the fourth gemi was um it was ot- otoga so otoga you know literally means wealth right and wealth was not just in terms of financial resources or or having land and all that right so wealth was looked at in terms of the five or so aspects that god would bless you if you were wealthy okay The first one was um health mm-hmm. or ogimawa muiri. That's what is called health. Physical in, health. Physical health, yeah. Uh the second one was uh so the second uh otoga is in terms of peace. You're a peaceful person or you're a peacemaker. And you have peace internally in yourself. So, you know, that is a very good uh blessing from god to have to be able to be peaceful to be peaceful to others and to have internal peace mm-hmm. the third uh otoga that came from that gemi the gemi the umbrella is otoga but inside it there's uh health peace then there's uh wisdom and knowledge so knowledge really is acquired right mm-hmm. so knowledge is acquired where you go to school or you you learn a trade uh so when that gemi is said it is manifesting for the child that they may acquire knowledge however wisdom comes from god yes so it's asking god to give that child wisdom wisdom the fourth uh, otoga is children And so it's it's uh 
manifesting for that child when you grow up and you get married may you have children children but boys and girls right the fifth one is uh, uh prosperity obviously there there wasn't currency back then but it was you know being able to acquire land being able to acquire uh mahio which is livestock mahio is the is the traditional kikuyu word for livestock if you hear anybody say mahio it's they mean goats sheep i just cattle, learned something chicken and all that okay and so the funny thing is you might have financial prosperity prosperity or, or all you, ha- you might have land and and uh cattle and all that but you would not be able to enjoy all these other uh wealth so to speak if you didn't have like all five all five this is so holistic it's you holistic know, it's your yeah. physical health mm-hmm. it's peace within oneself and with others because you know without health you have nothing right Absolutely. it's wisdom mm-hmm. in order to be discerning and knowledge mm-hmm. in order to hone your craft mm-hmm. it's children Family. so that your fam- your generations can continue mm-hmm. and then it's prosperity that's super holistic yeah those are in that one gemi is what you're you're praying the child to have when they when as they grow And I think for me the reason this is so powerful is because you know as we grow older we we can see how whole this gemi was right that our culture was not small mm-hmm. our culture was big and wide and holistic mm-hmm. right and I think that's just one of the things I'm taking through uh, from these gemis and I have to tell you I'm getting this swelling sense of pride in connecting with the fact that some of these things are the things that we go for seminars to learn mm-hmm. right about ourselves mm-hmm. and in fact they were part of our tradition and they're still part of our and tradition. they're still part of our tradition and culture that is mind blowing so then what was the fifth gemi because this one was just for the boys right yeah Yes, this was just specifically for boys and it still applies today but obviously with the feminist movement <laughs> <laughs> which is a great movement if going, I should add there's going to be some challenges here <laughs> but I, I I do want to try and explain it so that it can be un- understood from what the Mogekoyo thought about back then yeah from a historical context so the fifth gemi is the gemi of of Oshaba And so Oshaba literally means to be brave. Or in Kikuyu it means orome. And that is why a man is called modorome. Ah. Modowe orome is that's why that's why the gemi was said only for boys. And but I'll I'll explain further because I want to be able to to make this clear and I'll use an analog- anal- analogy and this analogy I want to give a lot of credit to uh one uh, very uh knowledgeable teacher in Kenya called Getau Wangangawa Madhu so so in today's society you have you know you have brave women you have brave brave men brave women you have women going into the military you have women going to the police and all that right in Kenya right and even here So what happened back then during d- during those times is the Agekoyo never wanted women to go to war. Why not? So that's a good question. So 
you know the Gekoyo used to be in constant war with the Maasai yeah and they would be you know back and they would trade back and forth they'd be uh raiding parties from back and forth back and forth and they would take each other's livestock and take take each other's small children as well and so it was very dangerous right so the analogy is this so if you send a thousand men to war and a thousand and then 9 990 men perish perish when this 10, 10 man then 10 men who survive come back home the women are still there mm-hmm. right so every woman can still marry be married to to this 10 men and it would not affect the population growth of that I see. So when we think about it tying it to the intro, the initial discussions about, you know, growing your lineage and mm-hmm. and growing your family and the value of a big family, mm-hmm. right? Uh uh these few men could continue the the community. They the could society. continue the community, yeah. But so if you send a thousand women to war and 990 are killed. These 10 women before they get a thousand children how long will it be yeah so you'll have destroyed a community completely and it would take decades literally decades because these women have to have children yeah. and then their children before you build before you can get a thousand children right it would can take even 50 years yeah before you regenerate the the community listen the 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 modern woman in me struggles with that analogy but when i take that hat off and i really I uh, think about the logic behind it. Mm-hmm. It makes absolute sense from a logical sense in terms of repopulation, Repop- right? From yeah. a repopulation perspective, you can do it with a few men, mm-hmm. right? And women you can repopulate faster mm-hmm. compared to repopulating with a lot of women and a few men. Logically, it makes sense. It makes sense. And 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 at the end of the day going back to what we said in terms of large family, large community, more resources more power you know it's the same thing if if a society or a small community is destroyed they lose power yeah and so back then if you lose power you have other tribes that can come and overrun you yeah exactly so if we go back to the gemi so this gemi was only for men or boys mm-hmm. and it was really said so that they could be brave they could have urume they could Akoromo have durume. Durume. Mm-hmm. and the reason for that is because you know just to bring it in the modern co- context so a brave person can go out and be able to work hard and you know navigate difficult life situations and make it happen right because if you think about the brave man of back then they were putting their life in danger going yeah. to to on expeditions to get cattle yeah their life was on the line so today You know if you're lazy you're not brave. Right. Right? Right. If you're not hard working you're not brave. Brave people are action takers. Ab- absolutely. They have to take action and they have to take risks. Yes. In life. Yeah. And uh you know back then the reason that gemi was not said for women is they did not want women to have to risk their life. Yeah. 
women were to be protected, men Absolutely. took the risks. Absolutely. Chivalry existed. Uh, you know? <laughs> I don't know what had happened <laughs> with this new generation of Kenyan men, but uh, <laughs> that's a topic wow. for another podcast. Uh, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> that needs to stay in. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, those are the, f- the five gemis that were said when the child was born. And then the gemis would inform the people outside the community what child had been born. And the father too. And the father, because the father was outside. Right, in his heart. Once he had five gemis, he knew. I have a boy. He had, he had a boy. If he had uh, um, f- uh, four gemis, he knew it was he was going to name his, his mother or if it was a child... In another order, it was maybe someone else. So I think I should ask a modern day question, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I actually asked my dad, did mm-hmm. you say gemis for me? Mm-hmm. Or did they say gemis for me? Mm-hmm. So in the modern day situation, we are in a hospital mm-hmm. and you have your child born in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And clearly, it, it just might not be possible to say the gemis in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So where then from a modern perspective, if we realize the full intense value of these gemis, mm-hmm. where should we be saying these? In the Itera? No, you, you say them at home. When, okay. Like when you're discharged from the hospital, you should have your, your friends waiting for you at home uh, to say the gamis. I see. Obviously, they will know what the, the sex of the child will be. And so when you arrive home is when the gamis should be said. Yeah. The power of a community pouring that blessing, blessing and intention on a child is simply mind-blowing. And the fact that our gemis, you know, I always knew about ululations. Everybody knows about a gemi and we've said them. Mm-hmm. But you're so right. We had no idea of the intention and the power behind them. And for me, it's just so awe-striking that I have to repeat all five, right? Mm-hmm. So the first one is, in essence, when you're saying a gemi to your newborn child, you're putting the intention, the blessing to your child where you're saying, may you have a mastery over your life. May you have good intuition, right? And prophecy, you know, Mm -hmm. over your life. You know, may you have wisdom and discernment as you navigate your life. You know, may you have wealth and not just financial wealth, but holistic wealth, physical wealth, peace within yourself and with others, wisdom, knowledge, children, and prosperity, right? And then the last one was for our boys, you know, may you be brave, you just think about that and putting that blessing on a brand new baby and from the power and the, uh, of a community, putting that into a child, uh, I'm floored. And you know, Jerry, gemis have been said for centuries. This is our tradition that we have been doing for a, ver- a very long time. Yes, but the difference is today if we say gemis, how many of us understand the intention behind it? Because everything is as powerful as its intention. Mm-hmm. So the reason I love this so much is that now when we go out and we're saying gemis for our own children, for our, our, our friends' children, our family's children, now we are infusing intention behind that gemi, which really increases the chances that this intention will manifest in the life of that child. Absolutely. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> so where do we go from here? So, um, mm-hmm. so to go from here, we are going to uh, talk about naming. Okay. So naming, I think, is fairly straightforward. So when, if, so if the first child is a girl. But then when is the child named? Immediately as they're born or is it later? It's, it's actually like assumed, right? Mm-hmm. 
Like the child is already named based on their order of birth. I see. So they're born into this world with a name. With a name, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So uh, it's not like, you know, in modern day cultures where you give, you pick a, the couple will pick a child's name and then, you know, I guess it's official when the, the name is on the birth certificate. Right. Or maybe at a baptism. Right. It's the name of the child was based on the order of birth. Okay. And so the Agekoyo name their children based on order of birth. So the first child, if it's a boy, is named after the child's father's father, the mm-hmm. child's grandfather, mm-hmm. paternal grandfather. And if the first child is a girl, the, uh, the child is named after the paternal uh, grandmother. What if you have twins? Child. That's a that's a good question. I'm, I'm going to come to that. Okay. But um, so, for example, if you have a boy and then a girl, and then a boy and then a girl, so the like the second boy is named the wife's. Father. Father, the maternal grandfather. Maternal grandfather. And then the second girl is named after... The maternal grandmother. The, the maternal grandmother, right? And then if you have extra children, now um, you start naming the parents' siblings. Yes. And that goes on. That okay, way, right? okay. Now, if, if you have twins... Twins is very interesting. So twins have to be named on one side. So hold on, let's step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if you have, let's say, um, a third, so you had two boys, now you're getting your third boy. Mm-hmm. You said that that's being named after the parents' siblings, not the grandparents' siblings, the parents' siblings. Parents' siblings, siblings yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. just wanted to clarify that. Okay, parents, let's, si- mm-hmm. parents' siblings. And I can give you actually a good example with my own uh, family. Mm-hmm. My, pa- my dad has... Uh, they were born five boys in a row and then five girls in a row. Ah. And so the firstborn is named after uh, their grandfather. Yes. Paternal. Paternal. Second boy, named after maternal Uh grandfather. Third boy, who is my dad, Geshanga, named after uh, grandfather's brother. Okay. And so on and so forth. And so like even for the girls, the same thing. First girl... Pat- uh, paternal grandmother, second girl, uh, maternal grandmother, third girl, paternal sister. Yes, exactly, and that that's how it goes. Paternal sister, paternal brother. They just keep uh, maternal sister Ex- brother. They just keep flipping down the line. They keep flipping, and and there's a elaborate way of doing that. Like you can actually map it out, for example. And there are many complex situations that can happen. What if your dad doesn't have a brother? What happens? There's, I see. There's more, um, there are more combinations. Like you can look at like the grandfather's brother, like the siblings. You, okay. can, you can look at those, but you know, it's not very practical because we're not having many children today. Exactly. But that's how it was. It was, it was back then. It was, that's what, that was a system of naming. Okay, so then what about twins? And, and and by the way, I should let the audience know that Wayaki is a twin. <laughs> I am a twin, yeah. And an identical twin at that. <laughs> you can't tell them apart. It's really difficult. No, I'm, I'm the more handsome one. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I know but... my brother is going gonna, is gonna to be on my neck. <laughs> but so twins is very interesting. So twins have to be named on one side based on the order mm-hmm. of birth. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a unique situation. So if... The firstborn child had already been born, uh, and 
it was a boy. Mm-hmm. Actually, let's start with if the first children are twins. Mm-hmm. If it's two boys, the father would name his his uh, his dad and his sibling, his okay. firstborn boy sibling. Right. If it was a boy and girl, the 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 father would name both his parents. Okay. Which is kind of easy, So right? twins are named based on the side of the family where they fall. Where they fall and the order of birth. Yes. Because it gets interesting. So for example, if you have uh, a boy as a firstborn that has already been born and then the couple has twins, right? Mm-hmm. So if they have twins and it's a, uh, a boy that has been born like out of the twins it's a boy and a girl right and it's the boy that comes out first, first then the wife gets to name her parents yes both her dad and mom before even the husband names his mom yes because it fell on the order fell on her her exactly. turn for naming exactly and Aha. then this would be really unfair if it was twins and it was a girl first and a boy second if if that was a second birth then the man would get to name his mother uh. and his brother, brother without the wife ever, ever having a name god <laughs> and those situations do happen yeah and it is said that uh separating twins was uh very um it was not encouraged at all okay because you know they they came fr- they came at the same time they should be named in the same order Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So culturally we put them together. Okay. So what about if a child was born without a father? Um, so what happened to the father? From a naming perspective. Well, maybe the father was not present. Okay. So if the father was not present, that there's a, that's a complicated situation. Okay. Because you would have to decide... So it means that this child has been born out of wedlock. Yes. Right? Yes. And so the father is not present uh-huh. and the father doesn't want to be present. Correct. So because so spiritually that child whether it's a boy or a girl is tied to the father's um, lineage. lineage. Mm-hmm. So there's a procedure that would, ha- would have to be done for the, so good question would be the child will always be given a name. Mm-hmm. Let's start there, right? Right. But if the child's father never never comes into the child's life and this woman decides, I'm going to go get married, right? The man who marries uh, this woman mm. has to uh, give birth to this child, has to, I'm translating from Kikuyu, has to shiara mwanoyonabori basically has to like give birth to this, to this child into his own ancestry it's almost like adopt him into his own ancestry that's the word i was looking for adoption he has to adopt this child traditionally okay and to adopt a child traditionally is to ogoshiara mm. which was da- which has been done many times even today it's still mm-hmm. being done mm-hmm. because what happens is that child carries the the spirituality of the man's ancestry I see. and you want to cut that if that man is not there yeah cut those ties cut, cut those ties because those ties they follow that child ah 
Oh, I see. So, but what about from a naming the child perspective? So the father is not in the picture uh-huh. at all. Uh-huh. Who do you name that child after? Does the woman then name that child, let's say it's a boy, after her father? You know, it's not black and white. Okay. Most women will do that. They'll name their father. Mm-hmm. To in today, I've seen uh, many situations where women will name their father or their brother, but the right procedure, so the right procedure is if this woman doesn't get married mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. and has a child, mm-hmm. that child would become uh, her brother's child. Mm-hmm. And so the brother would have to adopt the child. I see. Uh, traditionally. And give him a family name. I see. Okay? Okay. And so there are so many permutations of those situations where, you know, a lot, a lot of the situations is usually uh, you're in a relationship with a man, you give birth, and then that, and then you already name the child, the man's family, but then that relationship doesn't work, uh, pan out. Uh-huh. What happens? That's usually the the bigger the, the, big, the bigger question, right? And in that case, usually is if she gets married again, then she would have to. Um, spiritually, her husband would, would spiritually have to adopt, adopt the yeah, child. Yeah, and and there are many. There's processes that have to be done, uh, especially when a woman gives birth, uh, not in a marriage. What happens? There's there's a. Uh, more we can talk about, not in this podcast. On but the next one. So, you know, you this brings up a good point because there's some, I have some cousins mm-hmm. who would refer to my dad as mama. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. Mm-hmm. Right? Or he was their mama. No, you're saying right? it right. You're saying it um, right. And of course, we all grow up calling our parents daddy and mommy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, at least I did. Mm-hmm. But is that how we traditionally refer to our parents? No. Uh, no. Mommy and daddy, no. So... So we never, we didn't call our parents mommy and daddy. Those are more English names of referring to your parents. So for your mom, you would call her Maito. And Maito come is, is really Ma Ito. So Ma means truth. Ito is ours, right? Oh. So Maito, is, and the reason we call her Maito is because she's the one who knows the truth about us because she gave birth to us. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah. Ma is She's truth. our it truth. Our truth. She's our truth. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, your dad, you would call him Fafa mm-hmm. or Awa. Awa. Yeah. So at the end of the day, those those are the ones, that's how we used to refer to traditionally our parents. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And, you know, I have to tell you this small thing and then we'll close the podcast, which is, you know, growing up, uh, my mom is from Nyeri. Mm-hmm. And so every time we'd be going home when we were kids to visit our, our grandparents, my mom would have to remind us to greet our shoshoas, Wakia Shosho. <laughs> Because we didn't say that in Kiambu. Mm-hmm. So she'd have to be like, Wakia Shosho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. just interesting how greetings and naming is uh, really different from what we do today. Because today we say, Neatia or whatever we say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So actually, we'll, we'll, we should cover that in a podcast in the future. You know, what are the proper ways to address your family members, not just your immediate family members, but your, your relatives, your yeah. wife's brother, your, your husband's sister? 
we can address some of those naming conventions and how to properly address them. Yeah, okay, that's great. And also how parents should address their children. Absolutely. Right, mm-hmm. because I think that's something very interesting because their children are their parents. So there has to be a level of, I'm, I'm assuming, respect Absolutely. as they're addressing their own children. Thank you, Wayaki, for this rich conversation. It really had a profound impact on me, and I hope it had the same impact on our listeners. You know, I left this discussion, especially the discussion about gemis, with a stronger, renewed sense of awe and pride in their Gikoyo culture. So, Wayaki, before we talk about the topic of the next episode, I just kind of want to re-extend the fun challenge to our, our listeners. So, guys, if you're listening, please send us a recording of your introduction. We talked about what that introduction looked like in episode one, and we'll put a template of that on our social media pages. So, send that in to matire.gemi at gmail.com, and we'll start posting those in our upcoming podcasts. And, guys, also, don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now Spotify, and remember to share this podcast widely. We really do appreciate that. So, Wayaki, let me ask you this. What is the topic of the next episode and why is it important? So, yeah, we'll talk about uh, the Kikuyu traditional religion. Okay. And then we'll talk about uh, African ethics with a, with a focus on Kikuyu traditional morality. So what are the ethics that governed our existence? I love that. Religion and ethics and morality, you know, based on uh, our culture. I love that topic and I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. So thank you again, Wayaki, for this time. Thank you to all our listeners for being present. We appreciate you. And a big thanks to Njenga Giggs, our sound engineer. So guys, we'll see you in two weeks. Have a good one. Bye.